Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsperts.ie. And together we are Good evening. Good How evening. I almost want a theme tune to come into. I hope you like our poster. I do want to say thank you to Christina for pulling up some of these graphics. I don't know where she gets it from. It's a touch, yeah, uh, a touch, touch sexy. Is it a touch sexy? Anybody? Does anybody think that when they saw the oranges? Connor, that's just you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't think that. That looks like a bum. <laughs> okay. She she wanted to know what you said about it. So I'm just oh, like <laughs> I, I thought we were all on the same page there. I definitely just saw a bum straight away. I said, oh no, they're two oranges. That's, oh very good. That's only because anyway. I said, Can you see it yet? <laughs> yeah. You met the vitamin C, did you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rach here, everybody jumping in here. Rach Mack has got the honour of being the first one in. Hey, Rach, nice to see you. Rachel Mack is always really, first really in, great. Yep, yep, yep. Fantastic. Traps. And just to remind you that you can catch us on Patreon on www.patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics and also on your favourite podcast medium, whether it's Apple or Amazon or whoever it might be. We can come with you when you walk the dog. So look at that. That was me doing a Jeremy Clarkson. When you walk the dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Jeremy's gone. I thought going you were trying to do your sexy voice, Nick. That's no, right. no, I gave up on that a long time ago. Yeah. No need now. Um, Jeremy Clarkson's gone quite a bit, bit green now. He's doing a bit of farming and whatnot. I feel like he's easing off the, uh, the um kind of anti-green rhetoric and probably taking little small steps towards it, I imagine. But I don't listen to the guy, so I don't know. But somebody said that he has taken... That's a good thing, because he has quite a following, doesn't he? Yeah, baby steps. But yeah, he's... I mean, he's petrolhead, you know, in a massive, massive way, obviously. But if he is... I think he is promoting some kind of um, thinking about regenerative or, you know, more gentle farming agricultural techniques. So yeah, yeah, which is brilliant. Yeah, you know. Little steps, yeah. Um, guys, if you're listening to us on podcast, don't forget to give us a rating. Um, so you can you can give us ratings anywhere, essentially, but we don't push that enough. So listening is great. It's always free to listen, of course, but uh, don't forget to give us that rating as well. We need to climb up those charts. We want to be first in at least America. I think that's a small kind of aim. Uh, and so we, we need a few, just a few more ratings to break that top 2,000 dog-specific podcast. <laughs> and uh, so do, do apply yourselves. We would appreciate that very much. Yeah, tonight, so guys, we're doing a bit of vitamin C tonight and uh, uh, individual nutrients. You know, there's just so much you could talk about. If you Google, you know, the effect of a single nutrient deficiency on any health issue, like physical, mental health, you'll always, like each vitamin, it's almost like each vitamin and mineral plays an intricate role somewhere along the line. Uh, But vitamin C is surely the one that vitamin C, D, these are some of the most commonly talked about. But um. But this vitamin C stuff is great. So, so a lot of dry foods don't have vitamin C because healthy dogs produce a small amount of it. Not a whole lot. But that kind of ignores the fact that uh, unhealthy dogs don't seem to make a whole lot of this, if any at all. And hence, studies show sick dogs benefit enormously from vitamin C. So if you're a dry-fed dog and you're sick, good luck, because you're not getting vitamin C from your dry food if it's, you're feeding the same complete dry food, unless you've got a specific prescription diet with added vitamin C. 
And there's loads of studies here. I got this from the whole dog journal, credit to her. And uh, she said, in 1942, we've known since 1942, dogs with skin, to skin diseases are particularly low in vitamin C. Other researchers have found that the blood levels of vitamin C be so low, even non-existent, in dogs with fevers and who exercise hard, mm. sled dogs after a race, mm. hunting dogs in the middle of a hunting season. In fact, researchers can measure the level of stress a dog experiences, mental or physical, by, injury, by measuring the degree of depletion of the vitamin in the dog's blood. And lastly, conversely, many studies have found that dogs, just like humans, uh, when supplemented with vitamin C, show greater resistance to disease and a better ability to recover from injuries or illness. That all adds up to, it doesn't sound like vitamin C is not needed by the dog. That sounds to me like vitamin C is needed by the dog. And, and when sick, deprived of it. Mm. And you need it every day. It's a water-soluble vitamin. So you need to eat vitamin C. It's not something you store in the fat stores. So you need to eat vitamin C pretty regularly. So it doesn't have to be an everyday thing, but it helps, you know. Uh, especially when you're sick. So I just wanted to put that in. I think it doesn't sound like it's yeah, not needed. I think they're ignoring the, 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 these early researchers. They were ignoring the fact that you can get vitamin C from wild type meat. Mm. Yeah. So maybe that's what was topping them up, possibly in a wild scenario. Also, the stresses right. would be very different and possibly more easy to cope with. I've got a list here of the physiologic effects of ascorbic acid. Yeah, what does vitamin C do in the body? It's a really long list, but I'm just going to pick out some highlights. Detoxification of histamine, uh, phagocytosis with white blood cells, phagocytosis, metabolism of drugs, uh, tubulin, cartilage formation, uh, and muscle, tubulin, muscle uh, motion. Uh, fat metabolism, immunity, cancer. Bren, you've got some some stuff on cancer, I think. That would be really nice to hear that. Diabetic complications, cataracts and vitamin C, lack of vitamin C, uh, periodontal disease, rheumatoid arthritis and infections. Totally everything. It, it's pretty much everything, yeah. I mean, I knew vitamin C was great, but... It's just, it's the key to everything. And we're going to talk about Wendell Belfield and giving high doses for things like distemper and, and all sorts of d disease processes. But it really is. It's, it's, it's kind of the Rolls Royce of the, of the vitamins, if you can say such a thing, because they all... Which is why it's such a great one to start with. And I think Brilliant. from a, a point of view of um, a lot of people are asking the question, OK, well, how do dogs make their own vitamin C? What's this about conversion mm. within the liver? Yeah. Uh, so I think we sort of need to bring in, uh, sorry if this blasts a few people that are bored stiff with structures and, <laughs> and everything else, but actually the scared, really guys. interesting thing is this is generated from glucose. Uh, and so, you know, lots of people think, well, hold on, we've been talking for years now about not giving sugars and all of a sudden we're now saying this is something that actually dogs can use glucose for. Um, why are sugars so bad? Uh, and I think it's really important to understand, you know, the amount of sugar that they could convert into vitamin C could quite easily be made from the conversion of protein excess in through the pyruvate pathway into glucose uh, and then converted on uh, at that point. So we're not talking you need to sugar load your dog to make them have higher levels of vitamin C. Far from yes, it. Yes, um, yes, yes. But yes, yes, it's good. And the other, the other side of that is this, this is in humans. If you have a lot of sugar or starch in your diet, then 
that sugar competes with the absorption of vitamin C. And this is perhaps why all those sailors, those military sailors, oh, got biscuits. scurvy because they're eating biscuits and molasses and rum and goodness knows what. Yeah. And that will compete with absorption of vitamin C. So it may not have been a lack of vitamin C. Oh, it could have been that, they, that, that their, their diet was in their absorption of the tiny amount of vitamin C that they, they, need, they were going to get from other sources like beef and what have you. Because for humans, they only need about 10 milligrams a day to get rid of the symptoms of scurvy. 10 milligrams is absolutely nothing. Most people will, will net 500 milligrams without a I think thought. that's a really important point is that, look, there's a level at which you will be free from obvious symptoms of um, a, a lack of deficiency, which is that whole 11 milligrams up to 30 milligrams that we were talking about. Yeah. And there's actually optimizing the level of vitamin C so that it can improve your building of collagen, improve your immune systems, act as an antioxidant, but also act, um, you know, in the cancer case of actually converting into creating hydrogen peroxide in those cancer cells strangely enough almost killing them with you know the, the bleaching fizz of uh, you know uh, uh, of chemis- chemistry and i think really we need to be um aware of those levels i mean they're talking we were talking just before the show it went up to almost five grams that's five thousand milligrams usage uh, even slightly more in some of the antiviral cases. But this is where a lot of people will talk about what is the bowel tolerance. So let's, you know, we've talked a bit about where it comes from. Yes, the liver has a role to play in forming it naturally, but actually a lot can be gained from the nutrition to optimize levels. Let's talk a little bit about what have you heard, Connor, you've, you've written a whole book on vitamins and minerals and nutrients so what's what's your take on how much we should be giving oh oh now i sent you a piece there from another vet so let's just fob it off on her and blame her if i'm wrong from dogs naturally i'll I'll share the dosages up on on the facebook page now in a couple of minutes and so people will have uh, an idea but you can give there's a lot of questions coming in the side here but um the thing is, as I say, vitamin C is water soluble, so it's not easy to overdose on. You can give quite large doses, as we're going to talk about later. Some huge doses have been given to fix, you know, dogs with distemper, people with cancer, you know, intravenous vitamin C. And uh, for dogs, you're talking at the moment, small dogs, 150 to 500 milligrams per day. That's for a small dog. It's quite a lot. And medium dogs, 250 milligrams to 1500 milligrams. So you can see the variation, the size of the variation just shows how kind of unsure people are. And but even before we talk about doses, it's which vitamin C are you giving? Because there's lots of different types of vitamin C. We can talk a little bit about food sources at the end and stuff. That's easy stuff to Google. But it's what type of vitamin C you're giving because uh, there's a few different types. And the most common term you'll see out there when you talk about vitamin C is ascorbic acid. And ascorbic acid as one uh dietitian was explaining to me on a on a video there recently um ascorbic acid is actually only one part of the vitamin c complex so this was very new to me so um what they were saying was that um royal royal lee who's somebody that would have talked a lot about this stuff back in the past 
But they would say a vitamin is more of a complex. It's a lot of things going on, of which ascorbic acid and vitamin C is just one part of it. We realize this with vitamin E. There's, you know, uh, tocotrienols and those, as well as tocophenols and all sorts of things. So this is, uh, it's a much more complex kind of molecule than we thought it was. And ascorbic acid is just one part of it, but they like the ascorbic acid part of it because they can replicate it in the lab and they can sell it to you cheap. And so ascorbic acid became really, really cool. But the problem is it's not easily absorbed. It's not well absorbed at all. As with every time they isolate something, bloody hell, it's just poorly absorbed, particularly with vitamins and minerals. The body does not like taking in this stuff if it's different. Ascorbic acid is no different. So when you start talking about dosages to dogs, it's like, well, what, what strength is the capsule you're giving? You know, is there fillers used with it? They add in all sorts of bits and pieces. How pure? There's a number of different types of, of ascorbic acid, but the, the, one of the top guys in this kind of field uh, is a guy called Wendell, and he would be saying that the one he'd be aiming for would be uh, sodium ascorbate. So that's the sodium bit gives it away. It's mixed with a bit of salt. And so it's a sodium ascorbate. And so that would be, when I'm talking about the dosages and posting them up, it's in relation to sodium ascorbate would be the one you'd be looking for online, not ascorbic acid. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting. There's a third type called calcium ascorbate uh, and so it's obviously got a bit of calcium in there and the calcium is to help with ups, um, from upsetting your dog's stomach ascorbic acid can upset your dog's stomach it's poorly absorbed so you lash it in and it can give him diarrhea calcium ascorbate helps with that effect if he's very sensitive to it but sodium ascorbate seems to be the all-rounder that people go for you should buy the, the purest form of that but the dosages nobody's really pinning down a single dose because as you said it can vary from small to very very large doses depending on what the dog needs you know Ren, you've got some, some liposomal different... uh, vitamin c there yeah. do, you, do you want to just yeah so a few minutes on that so this comes as a liquid okay but basically um they uh, especially for humans but also for dogs in order to reduce irritation but actually also increase the uptake from the gut because as uh, we were saying there's a limitation once you get to um the sort of uh, one gram, so the 1,000 milligram sort of dosages, um, it's noted that with a lot of the sodium ascorbates, um, you get a drop-off in absorption. So it actually drops off from being as efficient as up to 80% down to 50% absorption in some of the studies. So what they looked at is actually if you surround this with a liposomal layer, effectively a lipid layer, um, then you will increase the uptake of the vitamin C. So it just means that you can actually superdose your vitamin C with less irritation, but also without maximizing the absorption. Literally look up liposomal vitamin C, um, and it comes as a liquid, okay? Um, tastes slightly weird. Um, if you taste it yourself, it's perfectly, you know, this is human grade. You can taste it yourself. Um, uh, but it is uh, supposed to be much less likely to cause irritation to the gut and much better uptake. Um, the things that we uh, interesting, you were talking about the esterified vitamin C. I mean, Lambert's do a great esterified vitamin C I've been using for years and years and years. Um, uh, and I think definitely see less irritation of the gut in those circumstances than the classic ascorbic acid, which you'd get as the cheap you know, pharmacy, it's a beside the sweets sort of aisle um, packed with all sorts of other fillers and, and other irritants. Um, uh, less gut irritation. We must say that one of the side effects is to have diarrhea 
if you take too much of some of those cheap versions of vitamin C. So that would be the sort of reasoning to say, yeah, we can't give as much of that particular version. There is one other quoted side effect in a lot of studies, and that is an increase in acidity, so i.e. a drop in pH. Now, that could be great with some stones in the bladder, so things like um, uh, the um, struvite stones, stuff like that, to keep the, the urine acidified. Um, however, it would be contrary to uh, for oxalate. Okay, so oxalate crystals that um, if you feed too many strawberries to yourself, um, for example, you might end up with an excess of oxalate. And if you've got damage within your urinary tract, which acts as a nidus for crystals to build around, okay, so you've got little blood um, cells or something like that causing a, a focus for those crystals to start building, and your dog is not drinking enough, then yes, crystals may form preferentially for some of those other unusual forms. However, if they're drinking enough and they're, you know, um, not got harmed urinary tracts, the likelihood of crystal formation is so low, it doesn't really matter if it's going to acidify the urine slightly. Yeah, okay. the, the, you've just nailed a bit about the, uh, so it is an acidity regulator. I remember it was one of the offerings when I was make, making raw dog food that you can you can acidify the food legally and, and apparently totally fine with the dog, uh, apparently. And by throwing huge amounts of ascorbic, I mean big doses of ascorbic acid into the food. And it's like, I'm not doing that. A raw dog food manufacturer recently got caught doing something similar uh, with a product that wasn't uh, approved to do that. And so it's to acidify the product because microorganisms have a certain pH they like to live in. And so if you can get it down to the very lowest end, they have a hard time replicating so that's the idea of using vitamin C uh, when people do use it in products. Do you know what vitamin C does? Vitamin C has these cool, it's got a couple of cool functions. It's an antioxidant, it's a massive antioxidant. Uh, and so it actually, it actually blocks oxygen coming in when, it, when needs be. Uh, it's, uh, what's the word here? I'm just looking for it. I've just lost it again. Um, it, it, it regulates the passage of oxygen in, in and out of the cell. But also it, it nabs uh, you've ever heard of free radicals? That's your vitamin E becomes kind of oxidized and it turns into a free radical and starts buzzing around causing damage and you start aging. And vitamin C calms that process down and goes in and nabs a spare electron from the vibrating vitamin E and calms it down. So it actually rejuvenates vitamin E, puts it back in. So this is why vitamin C are in things like face creams and all sorts of stuff, because this is part of the process. This is part of the rejuvenation process that they pretend uh, you can do. And uh, but also it plays a critical role in collagen. So if you've got collagen in your creams and you've got a lack of collagen in your skin, adding vitamin C is proposed to help that. I thought that was kind of cool. But the person that was writing, this was a facial cream that they were selling. and I was getting some ideas from it. And they said, as a demonstration, uh, you can you can get ascorbic acid and put it in water and then you can get old fruit like an old apple or an old lettuce leaf. And you can put it in the water and it rejuvenates. And the, and the lettuce becomes crispy lettuce again. Wow. And the brown will all, all but disappear. Now, I wish to bloody hell I was brown and I had my little chemistry set set up here like the last <laughs> time you did it and a little camera. And I wish I did it, but I, I only just read about it two hours ago. And I thought you could take rotten fruit, apple that's been chopped up. You know, you've left half an apple in the fridge and you know, I might get to it later. And it turns brown and it rejuvenates that apple. And that's the selling point for putting vitamin C in creams. I thought, how cool is that? Hold on, no. hold on. 
This is so this is like squeezing lemon juice across the half apple that you stick in the fridge to stop it going brown. Mm. Yeah, but surely I'm that's rejuvenated. After it's gone brown. Well, is it truly rejuvenating or I'm is it simply simply acting as an antioxidant so it's reducing some of the oxidized uh, porphyrins on know. the surface of the I am going to I am going to do this at home. I've got ascorbic acid and I'm going to do that at home. Sodium ascorbate I have at home. I gave to Doug, uh, Dudley when he had his operation, his back operation. Vitamin C was one of the things I added in. But uh, like vitamin C what, is the cheap one. Oh, Did you go uh, for the cheap one? I don't one? know which one I had. I'm going to I'm going to hold ascorbic acid. And it could be. It was very reasonable in price. So uh, <laughs> I just gave him loads of it as grant. But uh, so the anti-browning thing I thought was very very interesting. Does somebody want to tell us a little bit about um, uh, the, the Be- um, Belfield? How successful Belfield was? Bel. Wendell Belfield is a big uh, guy for vitamin C. Or for he vitamins was way back. He was foods. way back in 70, 73, yeah, something yeah. like that. He's, yeah. he's passed away recently, but uh, he, he's come up with some great stuff about, about He was the first guy to use large doses uh, intravenously to very sick dogs. What was that? Distemper, he was, he, first of all, because he lost one of his own dogs to distemper, and it, that really, really upset him and so he so he was presented you know sometime later with another dog and he said let's give the vitamin c a go and he gave the dog high doses i presume it was intravenous vitamin c i don't know but i presume it was and this dog did absolutely fantastically and so he went on to look at giving large doses of vitamin a c and e a c e and selenium as a just a, a real uh, spritz of antioxidant in order to give the body just this blast of cleansing and immune stimulation. And he has some really, really great effects. I've put a reference in our Patreon page. His book is called How to Have a Healthier Dog. And if you go onto Amazon, they'll charge you 80 quid for this book because it's out of print. But I've given you a link where you can get it for about seven don't say I'm not good to you. So um, it's it's. I think it's 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 one of those historic books, um, and I, I would love to get hold of a copy and just have a look at what he was up to. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, I've got a really nice list of the 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 reasons that dogs may have reduced vitamin C and therefore require the, the supplements that, that Brent and, oh, yeah. and Brady are talking about. So this list, you know, it's quite easy to get a list of things, but I was quite surprised that he talk about physical and emotional reasons why you may have reduced uh, vitamin C in your system. Gestation, i.e. puppies, lactation, growth, hard work, for example, sled dogs and what have you. They also mentioned vaccines as being a physical yeah. stress, injuries, tail docking, ear cropping as being physical stresses. So this is really, really complete and interesting list. And then when we look at the emotional reasons that, that could drop vitamin C, this is where it gets really interesting. We've got relocation and therefore rescues. Is it that every rescue requires vitamin C? I think that there's fairly... Fairly likely that that's probably the case. Weaning is a stressful period, so maybe we should be giving vitamin C to our pups. Um, and very demanding training. So high end, so that all the police dogs perhaps might need it. Maybe all the army dogs, maybe, you know, 
anybody who's doing yeah. a lot of work with their dogs. Vitamin C is generally pretty cheap and pretty easy. It's pretty safe to give. And so I think th those would be some areas that I'd be thinking of, 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 you know, there's nothing to lose by just putting in, you know, even, uh, I normally say about 100, 200 per 10 kilos. Um, what, yeah. what, what, what have you, what were the figures that this, you had, Connor? This, I have, I have some food, just to come back to this point that Royal Lee was making, a vitamin is a process a union of nutrients, enzymes, coenzymes, antioxidants, and microminerals, which are your activators. Mm. Um, so she's got five or six things in the list there. And she said, for example, vitamin C is made up of ascorbinogen, one, uh, that's your nutrient. You've got your bioflavonoids. You've got your rutin, tyranase, factors J, K, and P, not a clue what half these things are, mineral cofactors, and ascorbic acid. She's just listed 10 ingredients that make up vitamin C. And so it's, it's like the, all the different types of vitamin E. What are those called? Not, um, not I'm going to say servovirus. What's all the different types? All the lots of different isomers of vitamin E, isn't there? Like 125 different isomers. 125. Of, of bloody, 125 no. and in most products. And they can only. Maximum 15. Yeah. That's right. You can only synthesize 15, 20 of them. And so you're missing the rest of that vitamin E molecule. Hence, studies of vitamin E on its own don't compare to natural source vitamin E. And it's yeah. the same with vitamin C. When they tried to use, they picked ascorbic acid, one out of the 10 things mentioned there. They just picked that and said, use lots of that. And they said ascorbic acid is actually the protector. It is the wrapper on the, on the, on the food. And what you're doing is you're buying this food, and you're taking the wrapper, and you're keeping that, and you're throwing away the food inside it. It has, it's a multiple kind of, um, kind of faceted thing. So getting your vitamin C from food is good. In relation to that, everyone talks about oranges. Oranges are one source of vitamin C, but they're not even that good a source. Apparently, you have to eat four or five of them now compared to the oranges only 20 years ago because the soils are getting so smashed and using the same soils over and over. They just give them nitrogen and whatever else. And, um, anyway. Um, and, and isn't it also taste? Because people have gone for sweeter stuff. Oh, and actually, yes. it's quite a sour, sharp, taste isn't it oh, so yeah. Yeah, so people haven't preferred apps. those so people have gone yeah. oh let's breed away from those to the sweeter ones mm. and yeah, then we're not getting as much anyway um, pound for pound there's more vitamin c in brussels sprouts than there is in oranges mm. uh, you just can't eat too many of them uh, i don't mind brussels sprouts actually but uh, i wouldn't be eating them every day so one medium orange and medium orange that you buy in the supermarket 60 to 80 milligrams of vitamin c okay and that's around what most people need each day. So there is enough vitamin C in an orange to keep you going. Humans need between 65 and 90 milligrams, depending if you're sick, much more. Uh, a half cup serving of peppers contains twice the amount uh, of that that you need. So a half cup of peppers has twice the amount of vitamin C than an orange does. One kiwi has more vitamin C than an orange. It has about the same vitamin C as an orange. One little kiwi. Because uh, it does have that sharp little taste to kiwi. And now I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, Brian, that's interesting. Uh, and then, um, yeah, it talked about all different. So the food source is interesting. But there is vitamin C in good quality meat, depending on what the animals are being fed. There's going to be vitamin C found in fat, cartilage. So cartilage and bone is a source of vitamin C. It's, one of, it's a very rare source for dry-fed dogs. Just one of the reasons they want to hold on to that bone. Collagen. Vitamin C plays a crucial role in collagen. I'm not quite sure, quite sure what that role is, but one of these lads will tell me. But it's crucial. And so you're not feeding your, pet, your cat and dog any collagen and you're not giving them any vitamin C, which they need to uh, manufacture the collagen. 
to uh, and so it talk about joint ruining uh, to leave these compounds out. What is the role of vitamin C in collagen? Brendan will know. Glycosaminoglycans. That's let's just put those. <laughs> Do you want me to go into detail? No. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so yeah, so I I think it's uh, anyway. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. Can, can I can I read out my my bit about the thing my uh, the bit about uh, Brandon? Can I? Because it's just yeah. It's just go, for it, go for it. Go for it. So this this uh, Brandon, I uh, there was a there was a great book there called Feeding Dogs that uh, some legend wrote, <laughs> and uh, there was a bit in it about Crandon, and we were talking about look, you know, people get they're you know they get very very upset about uh, complete food every day. You must have your exact range of vitamins and minerals every single day, and it, it's just such nonsense. So I, I was looking for a good example of that, and I stumbled across this Crandon story, and I alluded to it in the book. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating. So this, I found the, the original source of the information here. This paper was written in 1993 called Self-Experimentation in Nutrition and Research. Elsie uh, Willison wrote it. And the standout story here is the story about Crandon. So I'll just read two paragraphs of it. Several authors have written about the history of scurvy and vitamin C and have given vivid accounts of self-experimentation, but none so better than John Crandon. Um, uh, two years later, Cranon was assigned to uh, Dr. C. Lund at the Boston City Hospital. Lund was interested in the function of vitamin C in the body, particularly in its relation to wound healing, and his enthusiasm inspired Crandon, who planned an experiment in which three individuals, of which he himself would be one, would eat a diet containing zero vitamin C for as long as it was necessary. This seemed to present no danger, uh, so I don't know how he concluded this, since the remedy was known and at hand, uh, and the plan was approved by Dr. Lund, the supervisor, which is just madness. Uh, the concentration of vitamin C in the blood would be followed, and when this reached very low levels and signs of scurvy appeared, deep incisions would be made in the skin and muscle, and the progress of healing would be observed. Pretty good study. I thought, wow, there's a guy really just pinning his colours to the mast. I was going to say, thank um, God it wasn't an animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you wouldn't be allowed to do it on an animal. Um, as was the custom in the United States, volunteers, in inverted commas, for scientific experiments had to be paid, but no funds were available. An aunt of John Crandon, a missionary, offered to hire two teenagers from poor families who she knew would be glad of the money. The three subjects started the experiment in October 1939. The diet consisted of well-cooked meat, butter, polished rice, cake without any fruit, and coffee. However, after three weeks, the two young volunteers were caught drinking orange juice in a cafeteria. The study on them was abandoned, and Brandon carried out, had to carry on alone. After two months of no vitamin C, he varied his diet with cheese, crackers, eggs, and candy bars. He took supplements of all vitamins except C. After 41 days, plasma ascorbic acid, bearing in mind you can't store vitamin C and you need it. After 41 days, plasma ascorbic acid had fallen to zero. 41 days before his blood started registering zero vitamin C. But it was only after 82 days that the ascorbic acid in the white cell platelet layer of centrifuged blood became zero. So now we're at 82 day, days with no vitamin C, and the guy's still walking around. Yeah, I highlighted this bit. The first clinical evidence of deficiency uh, was the appearance of hyperkeratonic papules after 132 days. Perifollicular hemorrhages occurred after 161 days. This is starting to sound very bad. After three months on the diet, an inch-long incision was made in Crandon's back. But a biopsy taken 10 days later showed the wound had healed normally. This was disappointing. Crandon continued with the diet, and all the time he carried on his surgical work at the hospital. He began to feel very tired, and his work suffered. 
Dr. Adil at the Harvard Business School was at the time studying fatigue, so he put Crandon on his treadmill to get some quantitative measures of tiredness, but Crandon passed out. This was undoubtedly the result of the lack of vitamin C, uh, and it suggested when sudden deaths started appearing in, in, in semen. Crandon recovered from this episode and continued on for six months. He lasted six months on this diet uh, and insisted on another decision being made, at which point the wound didn't heal. And they called it, they called it quits after that. Six months on a diet that was extremely low in vitamin C. Some would have snuck in in some of those ingredients, I'm sure. But, you know, that shows you how much. And this is, a, this is like a, a macro vitamin. This would be a vitamin you need a lot of by weight. You need to, cons- compared to other vitamins, which you need, you need way less of in weight, vitamin C would be like one of the most that you would need. And this guy can go months and months without it. We don't recommend that. But it gives you some inkling of, having to get the balance right or your dog's butt will fall off or something. It's nonsense. That's just, that's not the way it happens. Uh, it's not something you want to aim for. You don't want to repeat what he did. But bloody hell, I was so surprised that that was the way it went. And he was a surgeon and he kept working for five of those six months. Madness. There we go. Mm. Amazing. Right, boys. <laughs> um, let's let's just have another 10 minutes on just on uh, a few little interesting things over on Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Should we give uh, doses, dosages out there? So a lot of people are asking, well, you know, why are we not looking at, you know, the doses? You know, surely dogs get enough from their diets. I think let's round up to say they should get a fair amount, as we've just said, in the various meats, etc., as well as being able to make their own. But actually, and for the normal healthy structure, they should be fine with that. However, what we're talking about is the fact that really interestingly, you can promote health with massively increasing the dose. And I talk about massively increasing the dose. Um, We're going to talk about the levels that you need for cancer and stuff over on Patreon. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about what dosages could go up to. But I think very briefly, let's just round up, you know, for a small medium dog, you could be looking between 125 milligrams to 250 milligrams for a medium to large dog, you know, 500 milligrams up to 750 milligrams. For a large dog over 40 kilos, you know, you should successively be able to give between 750 milligrams and a gram, that's a thousand milligrams extra of vitamin C without causing significant problems, side effects. Okay. So if your dog is slightly under the weather, you know suffering from a virus has you know uh, some problems with healing of the skin uh, of healing of wounds has some problems with um just the the general um cognizance things like that then think about boosting that vitamin c to that level if you need any more advice then please come talk to us we can talk to you about higher levels I'm going to do that over on Patreon. Amazing. So, good stuff. See you over on Patreon, guys. Well done, guys. See you later. Bye.